Turn, please, to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter this morning. I have something that I believe is a very important word from the Lord. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We'll pray. You know, uh, the Lord does not intend for us to come to church like going to uh, a movie or something, or, or just like going to a concert to be entertained, right? To hear and then, uh, you know, think, well, that was neat, and go away, and that be it. No, His words are to be reverenced, His Spirit is to be reverenced and received and acted upon. And when church is right, there are to be changes happening inside people's hearts and in their minds and in their bodies. And then when they leave, their life is different that afternoon and that evening and the next day and from then on. We're to be doers, not just hearers only. Can you say amen? So with that in mind, let's pray and release our faith and and begin this. Father, thank you so much. What a blessing it is that we're here and we have freedom in this country. and We're so blessed to have such a great place to meet in. We have each other and we have your spirit and your words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're good to us. And we ask you for utterance, precise and full and anointing strong. And eyes for everyone to see and ears to hear. Hearts that understand and that receive. And we'll give you the glory. And we'll give you the praise. And let the changes occur. And the healing and restoration and miracles and needs be met of all that you desire. And we purpose by your grace to not be hearers only but to be doers. We know as we do we will be blessed. Get glory to yourself in us, through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Are you there? Second Corinthians 5. In verse 17, 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. Who has what? Reconciled. Now, the word reconcile, I mean, you could use a lot of words to define it, but basically it means restoring, restoration, and particularly in this context, restoration of fellowship. Restored to full fellowship. Why don't you say that out loud? Restored to full fellowship. Now, you know, if you, uh, if you didn't have any problems with a person, you wouldn't need to be reconciled. Right? But if you had a fight with somebody, if you had a fuss with somebody, you had a problem with somebody, then you need to be reconciled. You need to be restored back to the fellowship that you previously enjoyed. 
and perhaps better than you had. Right? He said, All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, every Christian has this ministry. Right? The ministry of reconciliation. Then that we have been reconciled to God, we ought to care that other people that are still outside get reconciled to God. Right? Even the person that is the most at odds with God, that their thinking and their life is totally against God and unlike God, they can be reconciled to Him. And we care. And it's our job. It's our ministry. Amen. Amen. That the Lord could use us to reconcile as many as would back to their Creator. Amen. Amen. Isn't that God's dream? Isn't that God's vision? He's not willing that any should perish. And in the beginning, He created the heavens and the earth like He wanted them. He created the earth a perfect place with no curse. He created His man and woman just like He wanted them. Beautiful, perfect, no blemish, no sin, no curse, nothing. You know, I think sometimes we don't really, we don't really know what that was like. You st- I mean, the creation still retains so much of its beauty, even in its fallen condition. But imagine what it was like in the beginning. If you'd have told Adam before the fall that you had a headache, he's brilliant. He named the animals. He understands the creation of God. But he'd look at you and go, headache. What? Because <laughs> he'd never had one. He didn't know what it was. If you told them you didn't feel quite up to par, they wouldn't. They have no clue, no reference to what you were talking about. Because every day was perfect. And the weather was perfect. And they felt perfect. And they looked perfect. Glory to God. But through sin, man fell and man was estranged from God, separated from God through the sin. And God's heart was that his man be reconciled back to himself. Amen? That in spite of the sin and transgression and failure, that his man, his, his children could be back in full fellowship with him as though they had not sinned. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, that has become possible. Keep reading. It says, verse 19, God was in Christ. Doing what? Reconciling or restoring the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Everybody say, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation. Parties that were at odds with each other. Man and God were at odds. God, you know, uh, the, the natural carnal man's mind was at enmity with God. 
but made reconciliation made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. And now you and I have this ministry of reconciliation. And this is at the very heart of the gospel. It's at the heart of the epistles, which are the heart of the New Testament. No parent is pleased when their children are at odds with each other. Is that right, parents? No parent can find that acceptable, that the kids won't talk to each other. Can't get along with each other. Can't be at Christmas, uh, Christmas at home together at the same time in the house. Hadn't talked to each other for years. You talk to one, and if anything comes up about the other, there's a cloud comes over the conversation, and they don't want to talk. Well, that parent loves one child just like the other, right? And it's it's a you know it's a a tormenting thing that you 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 love both children and yet this child thinks this child's an enemy and this child thinks this one's an, and treats this one like an enemy and they want you to side in with them that this child you love just like you do them is an enemy that's not what you want you want them what reconciled right with each other and with you. So there's full fellowship between them and then there's full fellowship between you and them. That's what makes life worth living. These are the precious things of this life. Fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Full fellowship is what gives you joy. Fullness of joy. Now, Go with me, if you would, to the epistles, and I want to take just a minute and read some. Go to Colossians, the third chapter. I'm going to read two or three three passages of Scripture, so let's just take the time. Colossians 3 and 12. Are you there? Listen to the heart of these epistles, which is the heart of the New Testament. What is the New Testament command? Huh? Not just love. Exactly. What did Jesus command? He said, this is what I command you, that you love each other. Right? That you love one another. How? As I have loved you. Have we had problems with God before? Did we sin and come short of the glory of God? Did He forgive us? Did He take us back into full fellowship with Himself? Then why can't we do that with each other? We can. Not only can we, He requires it. I didn't say, you know, wants it. I said He requires it. This is a very touchy issue with Him as far as He is intolerable of allowing it. We'll talk about it a little bit later on, but don't you remember? More than one place. Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother, what? God says, he won't forgive you. Man, that's serious, isn't it? So what I'm saying, it's, it's required of him. Now read in Colossians 3, 12. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Kindness, humbleness of mind, 
meekness, long-suffering. What does it mean, long-suffering? Huh? You put up with stuff. Right? Long time. Huh? Next word says what? Forbearing. What does that mean? Forbearing. The same kind of idea. You put up with it. You, you bear with it. You bear long with it. Right? Isn't that the opposite of saying, that's enough, I've had it, that's it? Hmm? We're done. I don't want to see you. You don't see me. That's it. We're through. That's the opposite of long-suffering and forbearing. Right? Forbearing one another and doing what? Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Just like he did it for us, let's do it for each other. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Go back to the book of Philippians, second chapter, please. Y'all have time for this this morning? Philippians 2, verse 1. Don't, Don't just read this like you've read it many times before. Hear the heart of the Father. Through this, you can just hear him. That obviously, uh, in, in this epistle, he was correcting some people that were fighting with each other and having problems with each other. And you can hear not just the Apostle Paul, you can hear the Father God through this and his desire for his kids saying, Now, come on, quit this. Quit this. Lay this aside. I forgave you. You forgive each other. Get together. Be reconciled. Listen to it again. Philippians 2.1, if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look in verse 14. Verse 14, do all things. How many things? All All things without murmurings and disputings. Murmurings is griping and complaining. And disputing is fussing. Right? Do all things without griping and fussing. When's it okay to gripe and fuss? Huh? (laughs) Is this scripture? Am I reading the Bible now? In what situations, in what scenario is it okay to gripe? Do all things without... In what situation scenario scenario is it okay to fuss, dispute, and argue, fight, and have problems? None. Never is there a case where it's okay with the Lord. Anytime people are griping, anytime people are fussing and fighting, the Lord's displeased with it. It's not acceptable to Him. Now, strife, as He mentioned here, 
I have come to believe is one of the most awful things that you could ever participate in. It is a hateful thing. God hates it. He, he mentions that, that one of the things he hates is the one that sows discord among the brethren. Is that right? Yeah. Go to the book of James, please. Hold your place if you want to in Philippians. We're coming back to Ephesians, and that's close by. But uh, in the book of James, our staff will tell you, my wife will tell you, people that know me, know us, will tell you one thing that you don't want to do around here is get in strife because I am absolutely intolerant of it. You know what I mean by that? If you won't quit striving, you'll be gone. And I'm going to tell you why I'm so serious about it. I'm, I'm serious about it because the Lord has dealt with me over the years, just as the years go by, stronger and stronger and stronger that we cannot have strife. Not in the ministry, not in the church, not in our families. And you'll see here why it's such a serious thing. In James, verse 14, if you have, excuse me, 3, chapter 3, James 3, 14. Y'all didn't already pick that up? What chapter it was, sir? <laughs> James 3.14, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, let's just stop right there. What wisdom? This, you know, see, people decide this is the way to deal with this. And sometimes they think they're shrewd in pulling back and withholding fellowship and being cold to think, well, I know what you said about me. I found out. Somebody else told me what you did. And they think there, there's a perverted wisdom that they think and understanding they have. But this kind of wisdom, verse 15, descends not from above. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's what? Devilish, Devilish. wisdom. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. There's tumult and unquietness, the margin says. He goes on to talk about uh, peace, though. Wisdom that's above is pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in what? Peace of them that make peace. The Lord said this to me some years ago. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me distinctly. He said this to me. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. You see why I'm so strong about it. Peace is the manifest presence of God. So many times if we say we're in a service or in a time of prayer or whatever, and we say, boy, we really sense the presence of God. So many times, how do you sense it? Peace. Even the heaviness of the glory of God is peace. Right? You'd, sometimes you just want to slide down in your chair and go, whoo, glory. God, what is that? Peace. Peace. 
He is peace. When His presence is manifest, it's peace and it's joy. But when, you're, when, when you sense strife, that is the nature of hell. Did you hear me? You know what it feels like on the streets of glory? Peace. I said it's peace. Yeah, you could lay down on the streets of gold and take a nap. <laughs> and nobody would bother you. <laughs> I mean, know what I'm talking about. Nothing bothering you. Peace and joy. You know what it's like in hell? Strife. Vexation. Anguish. Pain. It's not just a location that makes heaven heaven or hell hell. It's the environment. Right? And the good thing is you can have taste of heaven on the earth. Amen? What is a taste of heaven on the earth? It's the presence of God manifested in your church. It's the presence of God manifested in your house. Amen? Oh, glory to God. How many know you can sit on your porch with God? You can rock in peace. Amen? Stretch out on your sofa and just sense the presence of God. The peace of the Almighty. Well, friend, when there's envy and strife, though, that's the manifest of the devil. The, the very presence, excuse me, the, the manifest presence of the devil in your house. I'm not having that in my house. The devil's nothing to me. He's not my Lord. He's my enemy. He's under my feet. I'm not letting him manifest his presence in my house. Which means I cannot let myself yield to strife, bitterness, envy, hatred. Elsewise, I just throw the doors open and say, well, devil, help yourself. Manifest your presence here in my... I'm not doing it. I said, I'm not doing it. He's a killer. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's hurt me and hurt mine. Let's give him no place. How are we going to do that? No strife. What's our tolerance for strife? Zero tolerance for strife. When you, when you sense the first, you know, fluctuation and first sign of strife and yeah, yeah, and fussing and bickering and all that, I mean, jump on it with both feet and say, no, 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 we're not doing that. Mm-mm. I mean, if you and I have to go in separate rooms and pray half the day, we ain't doing this. Right? Are you all awake this morning? Now, I know that some people grew up with mama and daddy yelling and screaming and throwing pots and pans and breaking the furniture. Somebody says, well, you know, I'm from a Hispanic family. I'm from an Italian family. Well, I'm from a German family. Well, what difference does that make? This is the family that matters. The family of God, and that's a family of peace. And I don't care how you grew up. It ain't okay to scream at each other. I'm going to say that real slow. I'm going to say, but you don't understand me, Brother Keith. I, yeah, that's just my nature. I just I get mad and I blow up and then I get over it. You know, it's not okay. You need to stop it. Did you hear me? 
But sometimes I get mad and I put my fist through the wall, but you know, I don't really mean it and I'll pay for getting it fixed. It's not okay. When you do that and you yell and you scream and you break a plate and you throw something, have you have you ever been in a situation like that? What did it feel like in that place? Huh? What's the environment like? It's the environment of hell. It's the manifest presence of the devil in there. You ever came into a place, you didn't know what was going on before you got there, but when you walked in, you could feel it. Oh, man, you could cut the tension with a knife. What's been happening? What is that? Strife. Is it okay? Is even a little bit of it okay? It is of the devil. We mustn't allow any of it. Cannot be. I want peace. Amen. Live in peace. Sleep in peace. Eat in peace. Right? You know, the proverb says, you know, better is a handful, just a little, with peace than a whole roast beef and everything else. It was house of strife. I tell you what's better than that. Big roast beef and peace. <laughs> right? That's even better than, it, than either one. Glory to God. Turn back with me, if you would, to Philippians, please. Well, no, you read of Philippians. Uh, Ephesians is where I want you to go. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's helping us with this this morning. Thank you. This is so important. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. What kind of ministry do we have? Ministry of reconciliation, right? Getting, getting people that are at odds with God back to God. Does God want His kids back in fellowship with each other? Wants us all to be in fellowship. Well, people are people. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do dumb stuff. So if we're all going to stay in good fellowship, what's going to have to be happening? We're going to have to be forbearing each other. We're going to have to be long-suffering with each other. We're going to have to be kind. And we're going to have to forgive and forget. I said, and forget. Just like the Lord has done for us, right? We must do for each other. And if we'll do that, then we won't be separated and we won't have strife. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, read this. With, as, let me read it to you. You read along with me. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, Be angry and what? Don't sin. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. And neither give place to the devil. That means even more to us after we just read the other, right? That's how you would give place to the devil. That's what we just got through talking about. You let him manifest his presence and stuff in your life if you hold on to anger and won't forgive. Read. Let me read this to you from the living. I thought this was interesting here. Uh, he says, uh, if you are angry, don't sin by nursing a grudge. Right? 
Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. How long can we stay miffed about something? Y'all don't get too quiet now. If, if I'm getting too close to home, more particularly the Lord's getting too close to home on this, just look straight ahead. And don't say, say yeah, amen, Brother Keith. People need to hear this. And, and uh, don't, just don't act like it, you know. And then you can go home later and fall across the bed and go, oh, God, that was me. That was, you know. If Jesus is your Lord, then you submit to His Word. And if He says do this, then you do what He said. He told us, don't keep your anger, what? Past the going down of the sun. So what if you got real angry about daylight? <laughs> the longest <laughs> you could hold on to that was by sunset. And if after dark you're still fuming about it, you're in sin. Being disobedient to your Lord and Master. Somebody say, you don't know what they did. This doesn't give exemptions for what they did. He just he didn't say unless they did something really bad and then you can stay mad for a year. Is that in there? I don't think so. How long can you stay miffed about? You might as well just look laugh. You might as well laugh. People looking at me like, oh, brother Keith, I didn't write this. But let me just ask you this: How much fun is it staying mad? Huh? How much fun is it holding a grudge? Going around, letting strife be in your house. I never forget back in healing school years ago. I had ministered in the afternoon and I was coming out of the building and a young lady came, young mother with an infant child she's holding in her hands. And she said, uh, I'm outside already. She said, Brother Keith, I... I'm sorry I couldn't get here in time, but my little baby is sick. Would you lay hands on the baby and pray for the baby? And I said, yeah, yeah. So I laid my uh, satchel and stuff aside, and I started to reach up and lay hands on the baby. And the Lord checked me and said, don't. I don't mean to hurt a voice, but just inside me, check me, don't pray like that. Well, I stepped back, and I thought, well, now what, Lord? I know it's your will for the baby to be healed. I know that. What? And I just stopped and got quiet, checked my heart just a minute, and I saw it. I looked at her and I said, uh, uh, you and your husband been fighting? She began to cry like I'd hit her or something, just boo-hooing, wailing. Oh, Brother Keith, it's been awful. we just been fighting night and day, and, and we just, you know, it's awful. I said, well, the Lord just checked me. That unless you and, and, and he are willing to do something about this, it really do little good to pray for this child. Because you have an environment of strife in your house. And it's an open door for the enemy to manifest his presence and even cause your child problems. I understand you cannot live in that environment without it taking its toll on you. It's awful. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible the way some people live. I said, if not for you and he, for the baby's sake, you, I'll pray for you about this. And you go home and you get with him, and I don't care if it takes all night. Y'all get this fixed. And, and be reconciled. And, and rebuke this stuff out of your house. And invite the Holy Spirit and yield to Him and let peace fill it. Do you know there's healing in peace? I've seen, I don't know how many people healed that nobody prayed for them, nobody laid hands on them. But just in the presence of God, in the peace of God, resting in Him, they were healed. Pain left, symptoms left. There's healing in peace. There's wholeness in peace. The peace is the presence of God. This can be an answer to so many things. People that suffer from chronic stomach problems. People that suffer from chronic headaches. People that suffer from all kind of ailments. So many times, you just get healed. Excuse me, you just get reconciled. And you'd be healed. Y'all are quiet. (laughs) He said, if you're angry, don't sin by nursing a grudge... Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. For when you're angry, you give a foothold to the devil. We don't want to do that. Verse 31, listen to it. Stop being mean. Would you have to write to Christians and tell them to stop being mean? He did. Can Christians be mean? Some of the meanest people on the planet are religious people. Not people necessarily trying to live as Christians, but being religious. I mean religious people. They'll stab you. They'll shoot you. They'll kick you and stomp you when you're down and give you three scriptures why it's okay for them to do it. Oh, there's some mean people around. Stop being mean. Everybody say, stop being mean. Bad-tempered and angry, quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Hallelujah. He didn't say try to do this. He said do it. Right? This is a commandment from Him. This is, this is an expounding on the commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Nothing more important in the New Testament. Nothing more important in the Christian's life. Now the Scripture says that we are to be redeeming of the time. You remember that? Redeeming of the time because the days are evil. And you know, you just see it all the time, and you hear about it all the time. People at funerals, or when they had somebody have to go off to war, or somebody had to move away, or somebody's gone on to to heaven. It's just so many times you see people and hear them crying and in bitterness going, I never got a chance to tell them I really loved them. I, I didn't... I didn't express to them what they meant to me. I, I never made it right with them. 
And now they're gone. And people will get at odds with each other, brothers and sisters and family and moms and children and dads and children, and not talk to each other for 10 years. Right? Just like they're going to live down here forever. And we're not. I said we're not. What does James says? James says, what is your life? It's like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Life is so short. We do not have time to fuss with each other. We do not have the time to let months pass and years pass and, and be robbed of the fellowship that we should have been having with each other. Friend, let me, let me challenge you. Live today. Make corrections and adjustments today so that you will have no regrets tomorrow. Don't be a fool. I said, don't be a fool. Ten years later, eleven years later, twenty years later, you look back and go, what a fool I've been. I could have been enjoying them. They could have been enjoying me. We could have been enjoying every Christmas and every Thanksgiving together. We could have been enjoying times of fellowship. I could have been enjoying their children and they could have been enjoying mine. And We've been fools, been robbed. We let the devil deceive us and rob us. Everybody say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Hallelujah. Go with me, why don't you quickly, to Matthew 18. You know, you get to talking like this, and, and then people will say, Yeah, but now, Brother Keith, you just don't know what they did to me. That's all fine and good. It's like one fellow was telling her pastor one time, you know, that so-and-so did her wrong, and and he's trying to tell her about how to forgive. And, and she said, well, you know, oh, well, I don't, don't misunderstand me. I've forgiven her. I've forgiven her. But I never will forget what that old heifer did to me. Well, I don't think so. You don't know, Brother Keith. You don't know what they did to me. I mean, they made my life a living hell. They took what was mine. They destroyed part of my life. You don't know. What did we do to Jesus? Why did he have to go to the cross? Now, the Lord goes into detail about this here in Matthew 18. He says some very sobering things. Matthew 18 and verse 21. Actually, uh, yeah, that's right. Peter came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, how often would my brother sin against me till I write him off? (laughs) 
Another way of saying it. How often, you know, and I forgive him. Don't you think seven times would be a big plenty? I mean, if somebody does you wrong the eighth time, then forget them, right? (laughs) And the Lord said, I say to you, I say not to you till seven times, but until seventy times seven. And in reading the other passage, there's an implication that that could be in, in a day. And, of course, His mercies are new every morning. So He would expect us to be the same. So then, you know, after... What's, what's 70 times 7? Was that 490? In a day. And we start over tomorrow. <laughs> Basically what? You just forgive them. Right? No matter how many times they do it, don't, don't try it. And, of course... First Corinthians says love doesn't keep a record. Right? So we, we wouldn't be count. That's 300 times. We're getting close to the mark. So if you're not keeping up with it, you just forgive them. Verse 23, he said, The kingdom of heaven, therefore, because he's talking about the same thing, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain man that would take account of his servants. When he begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 Talents. Now that's a lot of money. Some figures put it at ten million dollars. Some say twenty million. Some say a hundred million. Suffice it to say, it's a debt he probably would never have been able to pay in his lifetime. And as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children. But he came and he fell down and worshipped him and said, Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now notice Jesus compares forgiving other people's wrongs against you to, for, to releasing a debt. And this will help you. You forgive by faith, not by feeling. I've had people look at me with tears and say, well, Brother Keith, I've I've tried to forgive them. I've forgiven them a hundred times, but then I get to thinking about it, and I get so mad, and I get so upset, and I guess I just can't. I've tried to forgive them, and I can't. No, that's a lie. You can forgive, but you don't understand. You're thinking wrong. You're, You're trying to see if you feel like you've forgiven them, to see if you have. No, this is done by faith. And when you forgive somebody by faith... It'd be just like if they owed you money. That's what Jesus compared it to. They owe, Let's say they owed you, you know, $100,000. They owed you a million dollars. You got the paperwork. If you released them from the debt, how would you do it? Hmm? You tore that paperwork up, tear it up, throw it in the trash and say, you don't owe me anything anymore. Right? What if later on in that afternoon you got to feeling... You know, like, man, I should have done that. Well, that's too late. Right? They they are forgiven of the debt. It's got nothing to do with your feelings. You did an act. Now it's done. Right? Same way with forgiving somebody of something. They, I don't care if it's somebody beat you, if they molested you, if they raped you, if they stole your money. It doesn't make a difference what it is. It's not okay to hold it against them. Because when you hold a grudge, you hold yourself out of blessings you should be enjoying. So what you do, 
We're going to act on this here in just a few minutes too. What you do, whatever it is that you they did to you or you thought they did, either way, by faith and in your mind's eye, you stand up and you take that and you tear it up and you throw it away and you say, I have released them from that. I have forgiven them of that debt. They owe me nothing. They, they don't even owe me an explanation. They don't owe me an apology. They owe me nothing. Amen? And you say it, and when you do it, no matter what you feel like later, you come back to that point and you say, No, I've forgiven them. I tore the paperwork up. It's done. And when you do that, you have forgiven them. Another man came along, you know, and grabbed a hold of a, a fellow that owed him a hundred pence in verse 28. Now, some say that's $10, some say 20 some say a few hundred. Someone said a couple of thousand, but even at that, that's nothing to millions and millions. And he choked him and he said, pay me what you owe me. You owe me. Pay me. Now, this guy just got through being forgiven a hundred million dollar debt. And here he's choking the man. You give me my money. You pay it. And the man fell down on his feet, just like he did, said, have patience with me and I'll pay you. But he would not. And he threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. And when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were sorry and they came and told their Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after he'd called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you desired me, you asked me to. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth. Who does this represent? God. He was angry. He was wroth. And he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do to you if you from your hearts. Everybody say from your hearts. See again it's by faith. It's not just talk. It's not just lip service. It's faith from your heart. If you from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. It's not, it's not an option. We have no leeway with this thing. We are required to forgive each other. Right? And to let it go. Required. I mean, he even set a limit on how long we could stay miffed about something. Right? How long can you stay angry about something? You better deal with it by sunset. Or elsewise now, you, got to, you don't have to have a problem with them. you got a problem with your Lord. Right? How many believe the Scripture? How many going to live like this? Let me see. Huh? Or you just want to go around and stay miffed? Stay upset? Stay sullied? Hold a grudge? Be ill? Well, I don't care. I know all them Scriptures, but you know... Nobody treats me like that and gets away with it. You don't talk to me that way. You don't talk to my wife like that. You don't treat my kids like that. You know, that sounds all fine and noble, but you hear where the emphasis is at? My. It ain't so much about them. My wife. You don't treat my wife like that. You don't mind you. Y'all want us to preach on something else this morning? Let me see what else I got up here. 
Glory to God. You know, back up to the sixth chapter of Matthew while you're here. Matthew 6 and verse 12. This here, Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. And you know, he said, uh, Pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10, what does it say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Notice how he uses the word debt, just, just like somebody owing you money. If you think about it like that, it will help you do it by faith. Verse 13, and what? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is not optional. It is required. How many understand if you, if you are unforgiven of God, you're in trouble? Right? I mean, this is about as serious as it could be. And if you withhold forgiveness from another, if you insist on keeping a grudge, then you have placed yourself in a position where you'll not be forgiven of God. And that is serious. Everybody said out loud, we must forgive. We must release. Now, prior to this, this all goes together. He said, thy will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want you right now, look at your neighbor, make sure they're awake, punch them if they're asleep. They need to be paying attention to this. If... I want you to think right now of the person or persons you, you have liked the least. And you have had the most trouble with and that you would least desire to have lunch with today. I want you to think, I want you to find who are they. Are you with me? Huh? Are y'all with me? Don't get scared now. Just help me. Think of the person or persons maybe that have done you the most harm, the most damage, maybe have hurt you the most in life, that you like the least, and you'd most least like to be around. Think about them right now. Get them in your mind. What if... You and they both go to heaven. Huh? <laughs> if you and they are, and, and that won't be very long. I mean, even if you live to be over a hundred, that's not long. It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. And we're, we're past this. We're in heaven. There you are. There they are. How's it going to be in heaven? Huh? With you and them. Hmm? Are you going to say, I tell you what, you stay on the east side of heaven, and I'll stay on the west. 
I mean, I love the Lord. You love the Lord. We both made it. Hallelujah. But you know, I'll go to the throne on, on one day and you go the other day. Is that going to cut it up there? Is it going to be that way up there? Tell me how it will be. Let's be more specific though. What about the junk that was such a big deal down here? What's it going to be like up there? Huh? It's going to be like nothing. Right? Does God have a different will for down here now than He does for there later? What did He say? Thy will be done on earth. How? Just like it is, as it is, in heaven. Why can't it be now between us like it's going to be then? Hmm? Listen to me carefully. Small people make big deals out of small things. Big people make small deals out of big problems. You know what I mean by that? A big person. I'm talking about big on the inside, mature, strong, strong in the love of God, strong in the faith of God, like Jesus, can have somebody really blow it bad with them, and they're big enough and gracious enough and strong enough to put their arm around them and go, that's all right. Brother, that's all right. Forget it. Huh? If you ever blew it real bad with somebody, would you like for them to do that way with you? Huh? I mean, if you blew it so bad that you thought, dear God, they probably never even want to see me again. But how about if they'd come to you and put their arm around and go, hey, look, I love you. You love me. God put us together. We're not letting this tear us up. Hmm? Forget it. Forget it. We're okay. It's got, it's got to be that way in heaven, doesn't it? Right? There ain't going to be people keeping record and in strife and won't fellowship with each other. When we in heaven, it's just going to be gone, nothing, right? Yeah, but they did. We we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. In heaven, there's no more death, and there's no more sorrow, and there's no more crying, and there's no more pain, right? And right now you can enjoy some of the first fruits and portion of our inheritance if we will refuse to hold on to stuff that causes pain. Refuse to hold on to things that cause strife and that separate. People say, well, I'm not the one that did it. They're the one that did it. And so they're going to have to come to me. They're going to have to make the first move because I'm not the one that did them. Said who? Where's that rule at? Be the bigger person. I said be the big person. You be the one. If you wait on some people to get it right, it'll never happen. Right? I mean, you know, they just ain't there. So you be the big man. You be the big woman inside. And you go to them and say, you know, I don't care if you feel like you didn't do anything wrong. God loves them just like He loves you. Amen. And He wants us to get along. Amen. 
It's important to him. And if it's important to him, it ought to be important to you. I know some years ago, a couple of ministers really caused me some problems. I mean, they tried to cause me a lot worse problems than they did, but they ran up against the wall because the people they thought they were going to turn against me liked us and wouldn't go along with it. But they really tried to hurt me. And after that, there was just some, you know, just wasn't right. And the Lord dealt with me. He said, won't you write them and ask them to forgive you? I said, huh? I said, Lord, they got upset about me saying what you told me to say. I got up in the service one night and I said exactly, you know, best I knew what he told me to say. And really, he was trying to deal with them. I I wasn't talking to them. I didn't even know it applied to them. Oh, but they got upset. You know, sometimes people don't realize how much the Holy Ghost something is. I had somebody accost me one time and they said, all right, now, preacher, if you got something to say to me, won't you just say it to my face? <laughs> I said, I don't even know you. What? Well, you've been preaching to me all during the service. And I said, well, <laughs> I wasn't trying to. See, he done told me more than he meant to. If he'd just been quiet and, and looked ahead and go, amen, brother Keith. That's, somebody needs to hear this, that... He was mad. Well, preacher, if you got something to say to me, just say it to my face. I said, huh, Lord, I, I said what you told me to say. And they're the ones went around behind my back and tried to hurt me. You want me to, uh, to write to them? Ask them to forgive me? For what? Obeying you? He said, you suppose you could have done it any better? You know, and I began to think, well, you know, I probably could have said it a different way. You know, we're we're imperfect in our delivery. Yeah. Amen. Hmm? Amen. And he said, besides that, he said, if uh, if this thing goes much further, then they will take a people to start taking sides, right. and there'll be strife. And he said, uh, will you do this for me? Well, now that's a different deal, ain't it? I mean, he's done everything for me. That was it. That, I, I didn't have to think about it anymore. He said, would you do it for me? I started writing the letter. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm sure I could have said it differently and I could have approached it differently and I love you and I want everything to be okay. And that was it. It was end of it. They had us back not long after that into their church, and we had a great meeting. Miracles and things happened. Be the big person. I said, be the big person. You make the first call. You initiate. I said, what if they want to cuss me out? Well, you're doing what you can do. And the Lord, He's not going to control them, and if they don't want to be right with you, then... You know, that's that's beyond your control. But the scripture says, you remember in Romans, he's, uh, he says, Romans 12, 18, If it's possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. If it was all up to you, everything would be okay. 
Some people won't let it be. Right? But you let them know that you want it to be right. And if you can do anything to make it right, you will. Right? And if they don't want it to be, you just let them know. Well, if you change your mind, I want it to be okay. Right? And as much as is up to you, and as much as it lies with you, live peaceably with all men. Turn with me to Second uh, Samuel in closing. Second Samuel, the 14th chapter. Thank you, Master. How's it going to be in, earth, uh, in heaven, excuse me, when you get there with them? They're saved and you're saved. And both of you wind up in heaven. It's just not going to be a deal. All the little yeah, yeah stuff you had a problem with, it's not going to be a deal. Why does it have to be a deal now? It doesn't. In Second Samuel, a, a passage here, a, a, a verse actually, that has stuck in my heart for years now, that shows the heart of the Father God and needs to be our heart. Absalom, you know, killed his brother, murdered his brother because he had raped his sister. Remember that? And uh, because of that, he had to run, leave as a fugitive. He's a murderer. And so he's gone for a long time. And, you know, of course, David, his father, King David, loved him, loved his brother. He loved them all the same. And this no doubt tore his heart. Because here he's lost a son, but now the one that killed him, he's lost him too. He's gone, fled to a foreign country. And you can really see the heart of the father in this thing. So he was an outcast for these this long length of time. But Job sent a woman to come and uh, speak before the king. And she gave him a scenario that was supposed to be hers, but it was just like the king's of a son that had been killed and the brother killed him and now he's on the run and how she wants her son back. Even though he killed the other one, she don't want to lose both of her sons. She wants her son back. And the king made a judgment that she could have him back and that nobody should bother him. And this woman said in verse 14, which is something from the very heart of God, 2 Samuel 14, 14, said, We must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither does God respect any person, Yet does he devise, God devises means that his banished be not expelled from him. Listen to another translation. NIV says, we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground. How many understand time is passing? Right? And once you've spent today, it's spent. You can never get this day back. Right? And time you lost with family and loved ones, you cannot go back and get it. And we're not here for very long. We're here for such a short amount of time. We don't have 15 years to hold a grudge. 
They may not be here that long. We might not be here that long. He said, God, neither does God respect any person, but he devises means. Well, I'm, excuse me, I'm reading the uh, King James. NIV says, like water spilled on the ground, we cannot be recovered. We must die. But God does not take away life. Did you hear that? God does not take away life. You say, well, God took that teenager in that car wreck. No, he didn't. If they were saved, they went to be with him, but he didn't take them. Did you hear me? And they died before their time. You know, God took that baby, that little child with a disease because he needed another angel in heaven. None of that's scriptural. We don't turn into angels. It'd be a demotion. And never is it God's perfect will for a little baby to die with a disease. Ever. Did you hear me? No. These things have happened. And, and, and little, of course, little babies go straight to be with the Lord. Their, their hearts are alive unto Him. And if somebody died in youth or teenage or midlife and they're saved, they go to be with the Lord, but they were robbed of the rest of the life they should have had down here. You can die prematurely. The Scripture uses the phrase, Why should you die not in your time? The Living Bible says, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water that's poured on the ground. It can't be gathered up again. Listen to this. But God will bless you with a longer life if you'll find a way to bring your son back from exile. We'll find a way. God's heart is reconciliation. Amen. What links did he go to to get us back, to reconcile us? The giving of Jesus, the birth, the ministry, the total ultimate sacrifice of his spirit, soul, and body. That's what links God went to to reconcile us with him. What links should, I mean, picking up the phone and calling shouldn't be too far for us, right? Are telling somebody, I want to get with you. Let me, let's have a meal. Hmm? What if they cuss me out? You're a big person. You can handle it. I said, you're a big person. What if they tell me they hate me, hate my guts and they don't want to see me anymore? Well, just tell them you love them, though. Be big. I said, be big. Be strong. Amen? God will grace you. His anointing will come on you in the midst of it. Can you say amen? amen? And even if the initial contact didn't go so good, they might get home get to thinking about it. Right? God could get to dealing with them two weeks after that. Amen. And straighten this thing out. Life is too short to hold a grudge. Life is too short to be in strife. Life is too short to not spend time with your kids and your grandkids and your family and your friends because of stupid, petty stuff. The man or woman who lets these things, little junk, I don't care how big you think it is, in God's eyes it's petty, nothing stuff. If you let that separate you and rob you from time with your sisters and brothers and mom and dad and kids and friends, you're a fool. 
Don't be a fool. Don't be stupid. Won't you close your eyes? And I want you to get that same person or persons in mind that we talked about a few minutes ago that you feel like have hurt you the worst, caused you the most problems in life, that you'd least like to spend time with. And by faith, I want you to hold up the paperwork to that dead in your hand. Go ahead. In fact, go ahead. Everybody stand up. By faith, reach out, just like you see me here with this paper, and hold the paperwork to that debt that you feel like they owe you. No matter what they did, how long they did it, how awful, how bad it was. And I want you to say it out loud. Father God, you've forgiven me for for the greatest debt of all. A debt I could not repay. A thing I could never make right. You made it right for me. You forgave me. You've forgotten it. You won't remember it. You'll never hold it against me. You'll never remind me of it. What you've done for me, I do for them. Everything they've said, everything they've done, against me or against any of mine by faith I forgive it I release it I let it go in Jesus name now tear up that paperwork now say it out loud it's done I have forgiven them. They owe me nothing. Not one thing. They don't owe me any restitution. They don't owe me any effort to make it right. They don't owe me any explanation. They don't owe me an apology. They owe me nothing. In Jesus' name, I loose them from it, and I'm free from it. They're forgiven. Hallelujah. That's a fact. It's done now. It's done. Now, Father God, I pray over everybody in this place and everybody that this message will affect about anything else that needs to happen after this point now, anybody that needs to be contacted, anybody that needs to be seen, any situations where there needs to be a phone call or a visit or a lunch or a meal, anything that needs to be prayed, anything that needs to be said, any movements that need to be made concerning reconciliation, we ask you for your direction and for your wisdom and for your grace and for your strength for these things. And we say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm big on the inside. 
because of my big God that's in me. I will be the bigger person. I will be the forgiver. I will be the reconciler. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. You can be seated for just a minute. Would you close your eyes? If you're here this morning and you've never given your heart and life to the Lord, then this applies so uh, specifically to you. Your God loves you, and He's already paid the price for you to be reconciled to Him. You just must come and believe and accept. Would you close your eyes, everybody? And Father, I ask that any and every person in this place that's never given their heart and life to you that's not been born again, I ask you to cause them to see it. Help them to see their lost condition and their need of you, that they're not okay. Help them to see being a good person doesn't save. Being reared in a Christian home doesn't save. Shaking a preacher's hand. Even being baptized in water alone doesn't save. You must be born again, Jesus said. Everyone that has not, help them to see it and draw them powerfully that they may receive you and be born again today. I pray for every person that's been out of fellowship with you. People that have been saved but for whatever reason been living an ungodly life. Help them to see how cold they are, how out of fellowship with you they are. And draw them to yourself. Cause them to see you love them still. You'll forgive them. You'll cleanse them. You are the great reconciler through Jesus. If they'll just come back. Draw them, I ask in Jesus' name. With eyes closed, nobody looking around. Friend, if I'm praying for you, would you lift up your hand if you say, Yeah, that's me, Brother Keith. I need to give my life to the Lord this morning. I need to get right with Him. Or I need to get back in fellowship with Him. If that's you, please put your hand up. Let us pray for you. You can leave this place knowing that you know, sure, that you are right with God and that there's nothing between you and He. All your sins forgiven, cleansed, and washed. As I look carefully, you need to respond to Him. If you don't know that you know that you're saved, and you're right with God, that you've been born again, and you're right with Him this morning, you need to make a move, need to make a change. Don't wait another day. There'll not be a better time. Glory to God. Everybody stand, please. I don't see any hands. But let's all confess Jesus together in case somebody's here that's for some reason doesn't want to respond. Say it out loud, Father God. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. He died on the cross. Paid the price for my sins. That you raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. Jesus is my Lord and my King. I'm saved by faith in the blood. And I'm reconciled and restored to God. Nothing between He and I. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, some messages make you shout. And some make you pray. And some make you shout later when you act on them. Amen. How many know this is really important, what we're talking about today? This is... Life is so short, so brief. It really is just like a puff, like a vapor. That's your life and mine. And uh, 
You know, any time that you're feeling real ill with somebody, you need to ask yourself the question, what if they weren't here tomorrow? You know, would I act differently? Would I deal with them differently? And if you would, then make an adjustment immediately. Because, you know, we don't know. I, I don't know if I'll ever see you again after today or if you'll ever see me again. I don't know that. Do we? The trumpet could sound. Right? Or some other. You could go to the Lord and I could, you know. We have right now. Amen? And everybody that God's given us, even though they might have acted ugly, and we might have acted ugly, they're precious, aren't they? See them through God's eyes. In fact, pray it right now. Lord, help me to see them like you see them. Help me to see their value through your eyes that I may esteem them like you do. Man, there is kids, especially the ones that are born again, I'm talking about. I mean, there is kids. He loves them every bit as much as he loves you. Even if they hadn't been acting right. There's been times you didn't act right. Glory to God. I am believing for a wave of reconciliation. Amen. There's going to be junk that's been in the air for years going to be cleared up. I said it's going to be cleared up. And we're going to have the best picnics and the best Sunday meals and the best Thanksgivings and Christmases and everything else we have ever had in our whole life. Amen. Amen. We're going to have fellowship free and full, unhindered and unhampered. All that junk, we can forgive it. We can let it go. And the things we just dealt with, that's done. Right? That's done. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Were y'all ready to go?